A number of years ago, a lady lived in New York City, died there, and left a strange will, and she also left a sizable estate. Her will, however, bequeathed everything she owned to God. Her attorneys set out to settle the estate by carrying out all the difficult uh, legal matters. The proceedings began when a case was filed listing God as the party thereto. A summons was drawn up and was issued to God. An an, An attempt was made to find Him, to deliver the summons, to present Himself as the beneficiary of the will. And after all of the legal requirements were satisfied, a final statement was issued. The statement said, After due and diligent search, we have determined that God cannot be found in New York City. Perhaps it is difficult to find Him in a big city. It may have taken some doing in the city of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, for it was the bustling center of commerce. It was the gathering place of many religious notions. It was a city ruled and governed by a foreign army with all the problems that that brings. But there was a man in the city who had been looking for God. His name was Simeon. He had a strange promise. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Son of God, the Messiah. You can imagine the joy that came to that man when he first laid eyes on Jesus. It was in the temple. Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to dedicate him to God as the law required, and he saw him, and as soon as he saw him, he knew that the prophecy had been fulfilled. And so he got the baby in his arms, a man with God on his arms, and he said, Now let us, thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for thy people. You can find God anywhere you look for Him. None of us would have blamed this old man for giving up a long time ago. For how long do you wait on God? Samuel Beckett has a satire entitled, Waiting for God It. It's the story of men who sat in darkness waiting for some God to deliver them out of their despair. We wouldn't have blamed this man if he had given up on God a long time ago, for we probably would have. For after all, slavery was entrenched. Rome, proud, arrogant, violent, hostile, immoral Rome, had Jerusalem in the grip of its mailed fist. Immorality was rampant. Taxation had spiraled out of proportion and poverty was a way of life. People lived in squalor and religion was empty. Why don't you give up on God? These are cruel, crude and cruel days and human flesh is cheap. God is not here. He has abandoned His universe if ever He were present. But He didn't give up on God. And the difference between biblical men and other men is that they never gave up on God. You can find God anywhere you look for Him. A case in point is Joseph. 
sold by his brothers to Midian slaves, took his coat back, dipped in goat's blood, told his father he'd been killed violently, taken down to Egypt, betrayed by his master's wife, forgotten in prison, he languished away there. And later he was able to say to his own brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That is to say, I look for God in the deceit of my brothers. I look for God in the betrayal of my employers, my master's wife. I look for God in the, in the forgetfulness of the people in prison. I look for God in the darkness of my cell, and I found him there. And so can you. How about you? Can you find God in that bitter trial that's come to your life or that disappointment? You can if you look for Him there. Howard Rutledge, the Navy commander, was prisoner of war in Vietnam for over six years. He's written a book in the presence of mine enemies. Some of you have read it. In this book he tells about a Christmas day spent in a Vietnam prison and writes something like this. It had been six years since my family gathered around the Christmas tree and tears welled up in my eyes, prompted by those happy memories. It wasn't until that day that I became aware of how I had not really understood the true meaning of Christmas. Oh, I knew that it was the birth of Jesus and He was God's Son and that was someone special, but it took a, it took a Vietnamese prison cell for me to really understand the true meaning of Christmas that all the world is a prison and every man is a prisoner. And on that day 2,000 years ago, God invaded my world, searching out and seeking to rescue prisoners. And so in that little Vietnamese prison, thousands of miles away from my home, in the darkness of my cell, I found God. Is it true that man can find God anywhere? It is if you look for Him. You can find Him in that sorrow that's marched into your life this year, not single file, but in battalions. You can find Him in the loss of that job that's brought such anxiety. You can find Him in that lingering illness that just saps away your energy, spiritual and mental and, and physical. You can find Him in the distress of your home if you look for Him there. Just think of the disappointment of these wise men who traveled for months following the light of that star only to find that it led to a stable. Following stars and finding stables is an all too often occurrence in human experience. Who is there among us today who has not set his gaze upon some high and lofty star only to find it led to some stable somewhere? Not in Caesar's palace, not in a lovely home, not in a hospital, but in a kataluma. All alone in a lonely night and on a woman's lap, they found God because that's where they were looking for Him. As a matter of fact, God is most likely to be found in the darkness where men are hurting. My favorite Christmas commercial is the Budweiser commercial. Now, I know that's a beer commercial. I didn't say I like their beer, but I, I like their commercial. You know the one where the one horse pulls the open sleigh and you're just kind of sitting in the sleigh and it's going down that uh, snow-covered road, little valley, in, down through that beautiful little valley into the little city that's just snow-covered and you, you arrive in the village just as night falls and everything has the lights of Christmas on it. What a, what a commercial. 
I've almost wanted to start drinking, you know, after, <laughs> after saying that. That's my favorite commercial. But, but I know that that's not reality. I know that that's just a picture, that's a fantasy. I know our world is really not like that. And I know that God has come to the real world. If you're looking for God dressed in some satin robe, seated on some sapphire throne, barking out instructions to half-naked slaves, you may be looking for God in the wrong place. For God has come to the real world. Christmas is the news that God has come to the world of squalor and poverty and slavery. Christmas is the news that God has come to the real world of man's suffering and need. What could be more real than the birth of a baby in a manger? Without the benefit of OB or white table or anesthetic, what could be more real than blood and pain and dirt and helplessness and cattle? And suddenly the reality of his world broke into the reality of our world. And he didn't have any halos around his head and, and he was not cloistered on some ivory tower, in some ivory tower. He just came to the real world of man's suffering and need. For what could be more real than curses and spit and nails and blood and the splinters of a cross? I stood in St. Paul's Cathedral last year in the place of pomp and circumstance where kings and queens come together. And in that marvelous structure of gold and ivory and teak wood, I thought, surely queens and kings gather here in pomp and circumstance. But probably if you're going to look for God, you might ought to look outside in the cold and the dark where men are hurting. Martin Luther was right when he said, we give the wrong impression too often at Christmas. There are too many lights on our, on, on our homes and in our store windows. If you want to find God, you'll find Him where men are lost in the dark. For Christmas is the news that God has entered the world at flesh level and has been willing to become involved in this beat-up world in all of its pain and trouble and temptation and even death. And the Scripture says that the people stood afar off as Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. What a contradiction. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, it is said of him that in him is no darkness at all, but in the thick darkness he knew, drew near where God was, in the darkness of sin, in the darkness of man's soul, in the darkness of sorrow and death. There's where you'll find him, where men are hurting. Can I repeat again the most beautiful Christmas story I've ever heard? Hubert Drumwright, commander of a ship during World War II, docked for R&R, rest and relaxation, in the islands of New Guinea on Christmas Day, 1942 or 3. And he said while they were docked there, little New Guinean boys came out on the, 
on the dock and so they started throwing money and, and, and things into the water and these little boys were diving into the, into the water and getting their treasure. He said there's one little boy who was more athletic than the rest and so he could dive deeper and faster. He's getting all the money. They asked him to come on board. There he said he stood on the deck of our ship Christmas Day, naked as the day he was born, black. And he said somebody handed him a New Testament. Everybody had the Christmas spirit. He said the little boy just got so excited as he opened the New Testament. But he said he knew he couldn't read it because he had it upside down. He said one of the guys on the ship handed him one of these open window magazines, devotional magazines. On the front of it was that marvelous picture of Jesus by Holman Hunt. And the little boy looked at it. When he did, his eyes widened. His, his smile came across his face. He trembled with excitement. And he pointed at the picture of Christ and pointed to his heart and said, Yesu, Yesu. And to be sure, they understood what he meant. He pointed again at the picture of Jesus and said, Yesu, Yesu. Cuba Drumright said, I knew then, 2,000 miles, thousands of miles from my home, in the darkness of that pagan land, I knew he made the most dis greatest discovery of all. He found God in his darkness. That's where you're most likely to find him. And when you come to a stable and you find God on a lonely night with no one else around on the lap of a little woman that's a spiritual serendipity you know what a serendipity is a serendipity is the faculty of making happy and unexpected discoveries so that a spiritual serendipity would be making a happy unexpected discovery of God that's a spiritual serendipity when you find him in a manger. The Bible has a beautiful example of it. When Jesus was crucified, his disciples were shattered and scattered. And so on the first day of the week, Mary came to the tomb to anoint the body and found it empty. The stone was away and the, and the, and the body was gone. And so she was weeping. What a, what a blow, another blow to our already wrecked heart. And she heard a person behind her, supposing he to be the gardener. She said, Sir, if you've taken my Lord's body away, tell me where it is that I might find it. And the voice spoke, Mary. And she turned around to discover, Rabboni, Lord, teacher. Supposing him to be a gardener, she discovered him to be the Lord. That's a spiritual serendipity. When you come all the way through your sorrow, following your star, and you find a manger, and in that manger you find the Lord, that's a spiritual serendipity. When you, find, when you come to a cow shed and you find a king, when you come to a stable and you find the Messiah, that's a spiritual serendipity. That's a happy and unexpected discovery. Can you find Him in your sorrow? You can if you're looking for Him, and that's a spiritual serendipity. Frederick Robertson decided he wanted to join the army 
He waited for his commission. He didn't get it. So he went to Oxford to study. Five days after he entered Oxford, he got his commission. But something just kept him there. Something drew him there. And so he studied in Oxford. If ever there was to be a preacher, it was Frederick Robertson. He became England's greatest, perhaps. That's a spiritual serendipity. To come as you always come to the temple and find the baby in the arms of a mother. To come as you always come to church and and all all of a sudden discover something unusual and spectacular and warm about it. To come as you always come and sing all the same hymns you've always sung, but something different, you discover God there. That's a spiritual serendipity. And so in Des Moines, Iowa, on Serendipity Week, all the little children in the third grade class were to write their definition and give an example of what they believed to be a serendipity. And one little boy brought a cocoon, and he said, This is my understanding of what the word serendipity means. This caterpillar thought he was dying, and he's really being born. This is what I think to be a spiritual serendipity is to come out today just feeling like normal and in your pain and need and loneliness and heartache or in the indifference of your life all of a sudden there breaks upon your mind and heart the reality of God and you thought you were dying and you know now you're being born. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, in this place, on this Sunday, in this night of our darkness, the night of our own heart and soul. Help us to discover Him who is the light of the world. Help us now to respond to Him who is both man and God, who is both crucified and risen, who is both dead and alive. Help us to discover Him who is Lord. Because we pray in His name and request it for His sake. Now in in an invitation, we have these invitations. Look here just a moment. The invitation for you this morning is to come here to discover Christ, the reality of God, His Son. Come in faith, come in repentance, come in submission, come in commitment of your life to Jesus Christ and discover that He's genuine and real and life-changing, redemptive and transforming. Come to Him. If you've never come for the first time to encounter Jesus Christ, the act of God in salvation through faith in Christ, we invite you to come to that moment today, trusting Him, believing Him, yielding to Him, giving your life to Him to be saved. 
Second invitation is for you to come responding to God's leadership in your life concerning your own position and place, your own, your own state in life with regard to your walk with Christ. Perhaps you may need to come and transfer your membership or come by statement or rededication. What a discovery to come as we come every Sunday and find God. I'm trusting and praying that that will be what you experience now while we stand and our choir leads us in song.